2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
1: Welcome to podcast, like it's nineteen ninety nine. I am your host alone today, Liscove, with Tom Meissen, You know, just the best. The I'm business. no
0: substitute for Kenny. Let's face it.
1: You, you, in this particular instance, unquestionably, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I'm sure it will not surprise our listeners, uh, Kenny Neimart. Doesn't really know much about Bjork. Um, you know, he, he has a cursory knowledge of her um, and, and uh, certainly likes what he's heard and seen, but uh, didn't feel like he would be additive to this conversation. Um, so it is just going to be Tom and I today. Uh, I say just, but let's be real. This is, this is a, a real gift for you to come on and talk music with me, because I, I think it's safe to say that our friendship was birthed on music. Um, I remember... day one. Day one sitting at the uh, Fox commissary with you, talking Radiohead and Bowie, and yeah. uh, and so when While I reached out
0: upstairs in the uh, in the screen test, we're going, Where's him? Where's him? Where's him? Because we didn't tell anyone. And <laughs> someone said, I think he's with
1: Phil. Fucking Phil, fucking I was on fight- several occasions told you can't just take the lead actor of our show. <laughs> uh, but but truly um, You know, I reached out to you about Bjork um, Not surprised to hear that you're a fan of hers But, um, you know, she I, I want to kind of From 30,000 Feet, we're going to talk about uh, All is Full of Love Which is the single that was released in 1999 We're going to talk about the music video um, The groundbreaking music video That to this day is still held up as sort of you know One of the bastions of, uh, the of Music videos um, But I want to kind of go back and just sort of how did you first hear Bjork? How did she come into your life? Like, what was, do you do you remember? How did I first hear Bjork? I mean, I was aware of yeah. the sugar cubes, but sure.
0: I think I must have been too young to be well, that fully would have, I mean, yeah, into that was, them. Because that yeah, was... Late 80s, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was aware of them and I was aware of this voice. It seems as though her voice, uh, yeah. from the moment I'd reached early adolescence, was just always around. And whenever you heard it, it made you stop, no matter what age of shitty pubescence you're
1: in, where <laughs> everything is just a slog. Um, but wouldn't you also say too, you know, and I'm sure that you'll you'll love me saying this, but, you know, the Brits are kind of at the tip of the spear when it comes to, or at least Europe, is really kind of pushing musical boundaries more than, than you know, this hemisphere and i think that like bjork obviously is from iceland for those who don't know it mm-hmm. um i just feel like at this time especially in the 90s right when when i think that you know music journalism out of the uk really sort of thought very highly of itself and understandably so <laughs> um you do you know what i mean like this it's not a surprise that bjork would be talked about perhaps a lot more in your neck of the woods then well television. i think
0: that probably especially in that time in the 80s and the 90s yeah uh it seemed as though
1: music was
0: really responding to british society and uh, society was kind of going along with it whereas a lot of other periods society was leading music yes whereas music was really it was or or rather music was following whereas this was really representative from because we'd just gone through thatcher for for Years of Thatcher and everything was shit. Great and music came out of
1: Thatcher, though. As well, this is it. like you know, against this is him.
0: it. Yeah. from from Thatcher, where everything was awful, and she, like a lot of um, uh, conservatives over here, hate anything creative. Presumably because creativity uh, encourages empathy, and I don't think they really like people to empathise. Uh,
1: they also tend to be I, socialist.
0: <laughs> what you mean once you start actually thinking about well things, no i, th- you I think artists by and large tend, such a tend bad to idea.
1: Be, i think that artists tend to be more empathetic more sort of like thinking about causes and what have so you. It encourages. We, it. Can't have yeah. that. we can't have that we can't have it. no absolutely not so
0: thatcher especially savaged the the arts and out of um out of necessity comes invention. And that's why sure. it was a real boon in, in theater and in music and in film. Um, mm-hmm. d- so much good came out of it because sure. artists and creatives were just trying desperately to, to Rail against what they can. Yeah, quite, <laughs> yeah. quite. And that's why we punk was such a huge thing over here because sure. um, fuck Thatcher and fuck the Royal family. You but then
1: you also had your Britpop movement that comes out of the, you know, which the comes mid-90s. out of post Thatcher.
0: So, yeah. So, Thatcher leaves. You had John Major, who was just kind of there, uh, just a gray man in the corner. Uh, but the joy of Thatcher being done. And yeah. so, Britpop was really entirely in the early 90s. You had Rave and you had um, mm-hmm. the Manchester scene with you know the happy mondays and uh, everything that was going up in the yeah. it, madness were earlier madness were okay. the 80s um and with everything going on up at the hacienda which was a famous club and sure. uh, the acid house uh but Britpop pop really was purely about um let's just enjoy ourselves yeah. so so much of it is just about you know, larking about down the park Playing football, smoke a fag And then see your mates, Have a beer I mean, in that's the sunshine
1: that, that literally is that's that song. parkland. <laughs>
0: that's Blur, that's uh, yeah. Supergrass, yeah. that's yeah. Dodgy That's mm-hmm. the Supernaturals It's all just Sunny, let's enjoy it Because ding dong, the witch is dead <laughs> uh, Which actually when Thatcher died That mm-hmm. song was released Someone covered that and it went into the charts That's uh, fantastic which, I mean, dark, but fantastic. (laughs) I I don't know whether to condone it or not publicly.
1: What's coming out of all of this, though, is the electronic scene, right? So you have electronic music, which is starting to kind of seep into alternative music.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. Which
1: is really where Bjork finds her her lane right I mean I think that she's in the club scene very much so she's you know she's uh working with like Tricky and she's working with Massive Attack and all these various sort of you know uh dubstep Bristol, whatever you want to call Bristol, it like,
0: uh, yeah. they they hated the term but Trip Hop with yeah, Tricky trip-hop. and Massive Attack yeah. and Portishead his head and, and all that stuff
1: and she's major. sort of on the wave of that specifically with her first two albums debut and post are really big First of all, very successful albums, but mm-hmm. also quite poppy, big dance, you know, club hits where you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and and you know, debut is successful, human behavior is her first big single, you know, that's obviously a big deal. Big time sensuality, all that stuff. Post is when she really blows up. That's Army mm-hmm. of Me, that's hyper ballad, um, yeah. it's also quiet you know, all that stuff. And, and it's an enormously successful album. Um, and she's not really prepared for that level of success. I would say if you haven't seen the YouTube clip of her attacking the reporter that tries to get in between her and her child at the airport in wreck you. enough,
0: only a few weeks ago, I was in a coffee shop in London and there were a couple of kids who were working there. They must've been early twenties at the, at the latest. And one of them was talking about the manager and how they dictate what the music is in the mm. He said, Oh, I got such a bollocking because I I put on Bjork the other day. And this other kid said, Bjork. I don't know, I don't think I know Bjork. Oh. And the all he said was, Oh, she's the one who punched a photographer.
1: God damn like that's yeah, that I mean, can't yeah. be it. That's it. It's, it's like that and the swan dress, unfortunately, and the unfortunately, seem to be the things that the Oscars, that, that, yeah. that really kind of follow her around. You know, it's interesting. I So I first started listening to her in high school. I think we're talking like 1996, 1997 is about the time Mm -hmm. um, when a friend of mine bought me debut. Um, She was an artist that I was kind of like, you know what? I should get into Bjork. And my friend was like, you know what? And he bought me the CD. And then I just honestly, in a matter of weeks, bought everything she had at that point and became just legitimately uh, obsessed with her. But I'll say this. I understand, fully understand people that hear her voice and are just like, no right? Like it's just, it's nails on a chalkboard to certain people. I understand that. I don't agree with it, obviously, but it's a very specific voice. It's a, it's a Joanna Newsom voice. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a voice that is so idiosyncratic and so original. People don't know really what to do with that. I think also when it's something that's so
0: unique, her voice yeah. is there's no one else who sounds sounds like like her and yet it's not put on i think that's where people struggle that that can't actually be her her voice
1: there's also i I, love it i I love it to death but i also think this also taps into something else um which is that people think it's a shtick not her voice the whole persona like the swan dress she didn't wear it as a bit. She (laughs) wore it because her friend made it for her and she liked it and she wears it on the album cover of the album that came out that year as well. But still, you know, because she's so pixie playful, what have you, I think there's such a misinterpretation about her that it's a bit. And I bring this up just because I remember, as I'm sure you do too, when Lady Gaga hits the scene and I'm not, sitting here railing on lady gaga I, there's a lot of her stuff that i really love but she and her whole persona her dresses her meat dress her this that and whatever mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. felt like not that she was a stealing bit. from bjork necessarily but that like she got a pass because it was part of a whole thing whereas bjork got kind of hit with it because it was artistic if you know what i'm saying i, I think that people yes think it's the pretenders. difference
0: between the two seemed to be um when you And again, not knocking Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah. No. She'll be relieved to know I'm not knocking her, I'm sure. Uh, is that you get the sense that it's by committee. There's been a lot of people brainstorming and a lot, it's gone through a lot of drafts. Whereas everything with Bjork, you can imagine her walking around Iceland and ideas are just popping into her head and she goes home and she and someone else will make that come to life. Whether it's her music or whether it's her her what she's wearing or the stage shows that she puts on, yeah. it all feels like you just know that it's come from a really magical, uninhibited part of her.
1: Absolutely. I think that this all really comes back to and and you know, she walks a very fine line. And I, and I say that with all the love in the world in terms of how she sort of navigates this um, pop culture icon making accessible music, but with a thesis statement and an artistic expression. That's a hard thing to do. A lot of people wouldn't even attempt it, quite frankly. You know what I mean? I think that the, the swings that she's taken over the course of her career, over the nine albums that she's made each one of them is so drastically different from the other. And yet it all feels like a piece of her. Each mm. one of them has a, a, a thesis statement, literally like each one feels like its own, you know, project in a way that is sort of different to, to the one that came before it. But I, but I also feel like, you know, I went to see um, her recently. She was in LA and she was touring Utopia, which was the album that came out in 2017 and, um, i shaking his head uh, in disgust. I just,
0: no, I'm I'm so jealous.
1: Um, this was I love like the, that album so much. It's phenomenal. I I think it's the sixth time I've seen her, six or seventh time that I've seen six. Her. Yeah, she, oh, I, I'm only on three. She's there. There's no one like her. This show, and I posted some some photos, and I'll I'll put them on our our feed. But um, it, it's. It was a full on living art project, unlike maybe any show of hers that I've seen up until this point. Um, just a, a, a truly sort of all encompassing experiment that we were all just a part of. Which um, album
0: did she, she released an app?
1: Yes, that was her Biophilia.
0: That was Biophilia, wasn't it? Yeah. when she used a felt- Tesla coil. <laughs> I mean, come on. On. She's so fucking tested. If it was by committee, then enough people would have said no.
1: But she did I mean, it. when you see that thing lower during a show, you're like, people might die. This thing looks really dangerous.
0: <laughs> like, I don't think this is a good idea. And how is that not Spinal Tap Stonehenge? Right? Exactly. This is the But, it, where, but it isn't. Yeah, it this isn't. is what's so incredible about it. Now, I, I, yeah. I, remember, yeah. I spoke to a, a friend of mine who's Icelandic. Mm-hmm. uh about I- icelandic yeah. music yeah because i love Sigur Ross, i love True. mum i oh, love yeah, yeah. um yeah. uh Olof, and so they yeah. just so many amazing mm-hmm. musicians that are completely yeah. unique and completely individual and there was a period over here where it was they were suddenly very very popular and i'm mm-hmm. saying what what is it about iceland that just produces such incredible musicians and they said it's because in iceland there are only about 20 people who live there so (laughs) you don't go into anything for fame and fortune you do it because you know all of the stuff that you say you 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 should go into the arts for because you need to do something you've got a voice and you want to express it and that's completely true with icelandic musicians because you're You're not going to make money. You're not going to be famous because there aren't enough people to everyone's famous in Iceland. Everyone knows each other (laughs) and there's not enough people to pay you to make you rich.
1: I remember I read a quote of Bjork's years ago when she was asked about when she was in the, uh, the, the sugar cubes and she was like, listen, there's nothing to do in Iceland, but get drunk and fuck between the houses. And I think that that's just emblematic of just sort of, which is why like, there was kind of a punk scene. You know what I mean? The sugar cubes were kind of a punk band. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it is interesting to think that like, you've got the sugar cubes and you have what Bjork did. Then you have Sigur Those are all very different sounding things. Yeah. Um, and yet they all feel weirdly at one in this volcanic. I feel like it's coming from yeah. getting drunk and fucking between, between the, the, the houses. houses yeah. Under, under the Aurora Borealis. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so in 1997, she releases Homogenic which is, I would argue, her best album, one of the best albums one ever made, in my albums. opinion. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, and it's, it is birthed out of uh, her fame that she gets off of Post, and she really kind of crawls inside herself a little bit. She strips it down. It's really just beats and strings. Those are the only instruments that are used on the album. Um, it's a lot of her manipulating her voice. -hmm. She also unfortunately had this stalker that tried to kill her. Uh, That happened around the time of making this album. So it all kind of made her reevaluate fame and reevaluate what she wanted to be doing.
0: I've just remembered, didn't she get sent a
1: video of him killing himself? Yeah. That was him. Yeah. She had like a stalker who tried, who sent her a bomb. And and the bomb didn't work, it didn't go off. And in it, there was like another package with a videotape of him having killed himself it's a whole fucking thing super dark and really upsetting and obviously had a tremendous effect on her um she moved from iceland to london um where uh, it was originally to be produced at her home in london that's when she got the thing sent to her in london then she relocated to spain to finish the album um and subsequently i think she lives in i want to say she lives in new york or at one point she was living on a barge (laughs) with her daughter I, i don't know so i mean she's she's It is what it is. In uh, London, I think. Yes, she's got a bunch of different houses and a bunch of. um, I know someone who briefly lived on
0: a a barge. She was subletting from (laughs) um, a burlesque dancer with a twitch. And is
1: this? Are you serious, though? This is
0: completely true. (laughs) And the the next barge along, Nick Cave was Uh, his barge, and a couple along was Damien Hirst and Bjork had one of them. Of course.
1: (laughs) Someone needs to make a movie about this barge culture. (laughs) This community (laughs) of barges. So that's fantastic. Um, So she releases Homogenic in 97. She's got a couple singles that come off the album. uh, Yoga, which is one of her best Mm -hmm. songs. Bachelorette, Hunter, Alarm Call. And then the last one was All All is Full of Love, which comes out in 1999, in May of 99. Which you said that she, and I read this a couple of days ago, uh,
0: about her recording it in Spain. And so surrounded by lots of people being very creative. Yeah. And then suddenly it ends when the album's finished, suddenly it ends and she felt desperately lonely and went for a walk, a long walk around the Spanish countryside and just started singing all is full of love. And that's how the song was, was born.
1: Yeah, it was, it was basically the album was done. I think that it had not been intended. The song was never going to like, this was, the album was finished. Didn't and exist? then she has yeah. this, this sort of, moment for her it was inspired by icelandic mythology like ragnarok um but also was about sort of new beginnings she wanted to end the album on a more optimistic note uh especially after what pluto. was the penultimate song in it P- pluto, pluto which is oh. fucking crazy <laughs> so it's just like she felt like she needed something to slot in there after she Screamed at people for three minutes with Pluto um, Which is understandable Um, But she Talks about how uh, she called the song About being uh, believing in love expressing That love isn't just about two persons It's everywhere around you even if you're not getting it From person a it doesn't mean that love isn't Out there but she also described it As quote-unquote taking the piss Considering it uh, a a, sort of A sugary song and one of her most sort of Like saccharine songs that she's ever done um, Mm. Which I think there Is this kind of Acknowledgement of the fact that she's written something that is—I mean—Death Cab for Cutie covered this song. Like, I think on some level she has to acknowledge that, like, she's made this sort of hard-on-your-sleeve song, which is not sure. really her thing. But um, up until
0: uh, until Vesper yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And then, well, she, then she fell in love with Matthew Barney, and that album's all about being in love with with a man, uh, a goat man. So, yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's all is of love is a beautiful song, but I specifically remember, and I don't know if you do, but this video got a lot of play. Um, I feel like even in Canada, and I, I say that with, you know, I love even Canada. in Canada, even in Canada, I felt like this. I, I want to just. Talk for a quick... Uh, Tom is showing his uh, Toronto Blue Jays sweatshirt right now. It's a great sweatshirt. I don't know where you got that. Thanks. I was wearing it. Now I'm
0: wearing something that keeps slipping down and I'm worried that... <laughs> you're showing you're filming too this and it will, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my tits might fall out by accident.
1: I, I want to talk... Scary. I want to just talk for a quick second about... Is that, even in Canada, yes. You were even, in Canada, even in Canada. But I want to talk about her music videos just for a second from 30,000 feet. Because I think that... I would argue... We're also talking about the heyday of music videos, right? We're talking like 90s, early 2000s, before the internet has really taken off um, and you had regular play of music videos. Go ahead.
0: Yes, and the only place that you could watch it, for me anyway, was on MTV. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of other, about then, there were a couple of um, channels that you would have to, you could call in. Yeah and dial a number, and it would be like a jukebox.
2: That's cool. And We didn't yeah, have that. They, cool. they just
0: get, kept 24 hours a day, oh, wow. having the, the numbers with um, recent That's videos, awesome. and you call up and you dial it in, and then you'd sit and wait for 45 minutes, and then it would, <laughs> probably wouldn't play anyway. Um, and it was <laughs> things like, um, oh, God, Insomnia by Faithless uh, was always being played, and Robert Miles. Did you have know Robert Miles? Children. No. Oh, that was a lovely song and um <laughs> oh it's some french nonsense it's... and but yeah. bu- this video
2: mm-hmm.
0: i remember when it came out because back then the release of a video was an event mm-hmm. um and this in 99 the two there were two videos that really smashed it and they were both banned that you weren't allowed to Air them okay until after the watershed which is usually 9 p.m but for some reason what's the, MTV, watershed? What's
1: the watershed do you know what watershed? we have prime watershed. time is that what you mean
0: the watershed i don't know the etymology of it but yeah. it's um when you can start showing adult stuff is oh. post watershed which is 9 p.m so it's when yeah. the kids go okay. to bed sure and I want to know why it's
1: called The Watershed, but yeah. I'd like to come. know too. Yeah, I'll
0: text you. Yeah, yeah. um, and this video, All mm-hmm. is Full of Love and Rabbit in Your Headlights, sure. my uncle <laughs> with Tom York, uh, were only ever shown post 11pm. Yeah. That's really funny because I feel like... I mean, this is, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is Britain. So to have two robots getting off with each other, that was far too sexy. <laughs> Uh We were still, even though it was Tony Blair, time, it lifeless. was still. <laughs> it was too <laughs> it much. No, much. No, no, no. Did, you, did, you, did that robot put a hand on the other <laughs> robot's bum? No. Um, And so, no. for most of 1999, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I would just stay up until huh. those videos came on, and every night, just stay up with MTB on, waiting for those two videos, and. I remember hearing that Bjork's new one and hearing that it was, they'd show little teasers of it and there Mm -hmm. were robots. And I thought that looks incredible. And I remember the physical reaction to the video. It just, you know, people talk about it took your breath away or not the window. It completely, the exhale that came from me and just, it stuck with me so much as being, so unbelievably beautiful. And I mean unbelievably in that I can't believe that two robots being created and splashed in milk would be so beautiful and be it's... the the perfect example of, I mean, I'm going to think it's, I think
1: it's her most beautiful music video. And I, and I, I think that it's one of the most music, beautiful music videos ever made. I think what's interesting too, which is why
0: just... I'm so interested that she'd said that the song itself was taking yeah. the piss Because when they're put together, it's it's
1: incredibly beautiful. It's very romantic, very sensual. I mean, I think that she talks about it taking the piss, I think, lyrically, less so than musically, if that makes sense. Like, I think that it's a really, I mean, she literally brought the Kama Sutra to Chris Cunningham and was like... So we should, this should be incorporated (laughs) somehow. And he's like, Uh, so like, it's not as though she didn't see the beauty in it. And I don't think she's, I don't think she's capable of making something that isn't beautiful, but, but what I do think is interesting, if you look at sort of the, the careers that were birthed out of her music videos, the two biggest ones being Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones. So Mm -hmm. these are two, obviously two, you know, Spike Jones, we all know who that is. And Michelle Gondry has obviously made many films too. Um, just sort of such overt artists, right? That have such a specific look and feel, but they're also mm. kind of—they're very meta. They're very kind of—I don't want to say winky because that's not necessarily what they're doing, but they are oh, aware. But there of is what an awareness, doing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that the video for Hyper Ballad is a beautiful—the uh, the Michelle Gondry one where she's like an eight-bit video game. Th- like, it's all really beautiful, but this is the first one that feels. I don't want to say adult, but it does feel adult, right? It feels like prior to this, there is this playfulness and this pixiness and this kind of like bjorkiness. Obviously, I love it, but this feels like a real fulcrum point. It seems like it a turning point
0: where when now everyone has to take her more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And Take her more seriously, but she's still not losing any of the the playfulness or the otherness
1: mm-hmm. that made her so she's so literally before. Two robots fucking. <laughs> but she's it's not she's still very Bjork. Like there's no like <laughs> but I know what you saying. Yeah. It's I, it is really a fascinating cause. She's even talked about how this song she felt like could have been on Vespertine. Um and I would agree with that. It does feel like a bridge song to vespertine um and i do think that everything- vespertine
0: for for those listening who don't know was recorded was the after the the breakup of her no that's no, when she was married no, no, no. Yeah,
1: yeah 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 yes well actually- is post breakup Vulnic- that thing yeah. is fucking crazy and amazing but um <laughs> yeah i i really do think that she it feels like this song and maybe even this moment for her of walking around spain and this kind of letting it all in and being this kind of weather vane, if you will, for all of, you know, all the stuff that she was feeling, mm. it, it does feel like a change. Homogenic is the beginning. And I do feel like everything she's done since has been much more kind of um, serious, you know, <clears throat> but uh, I want to talk a little to bit. it the- is. <laughs> <laughs> Volta is my least favorite album of Bjork's. Um I, Volta is the most um I love it. I saw the the Volta tour
0: as it and I and mean. it was Three incredible. Time. Yes.
1: Yes. But but also I would argue that's the album of hers where um you're starting to see that she is giving us what she thinks we want from her as opposed to perhaps what she wants to be doing herself. Right you know what i mean i think that you know medulla which is entirely voices (laughs) there's no instruments whatsoever she's just had a baby um you know what i mean it's just it's an amazing album but also an album that people are just like what the fuck are you doing and then she's (laughs) like i guess i should maybe write some singles and then you know volta is just kind of a hodgepodge yeah it's like i guess i'll do a song with timberland you're like I don't need you to do a song with Timberland. Like I, I, no offense to Timberland, but like, I just don't need that from you. Um, And then, you know, so it, it, it is interesting. This album feels, and by this album, I mean um, homogenic feels so uh, raw. It's, it's just, it's, it feels like an exposed nerve um, in a way that uh, I don't think until Vondicura, we really start to Mm -hmm. sense how sort of, um, um, sort of in her head she is In a good way But I want to talk about the music video for a second um, So Cunningham Immediately associated the track with sex Upon hearing it uh, But could not figure out how to make a video That was broadcastable Which I think is amazing um, So she said that uh, Bjork said the thing that- I'd like to know his rejected ideas
0: As would I The, the non-broadcastable one <laughs> Because I've seen <laughs> yeah. some of his other work and It's Jesus, terrifying goes, Yeah Absolutely, Rubber Johnny and Flex. Rubber Johnny haunts me to this all of day. the Aphex twin yeah. ones.
1: Incredible. incredible! He did the, the he did the one with the with the monkeys, right? With the monkey faces, that was him, right? The the Apex Oh, twin the Aphex Everyone yeah.
0: has yeah. yeah.
1: The monkeys have we, like He did faces. window
0: window yeah. liquor window liquor. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, all of the dancing girls have uh, Richard James's <laughs> face. Just, a, but just also,
1: haunting imagery.
0: Also, uh, come to Daddy with all of the kids running around yep, the. Yep, yep. The tower blocks with his face Terrifying And then some terrifying. huge deformed uh, Apex twin creature Screaming at an old woman Coming back with her shopping
2: And this is also Cunningham,
0: thing-
1: not made a Has not made a feature yet Does, I, Can't it, seem to get you know that what? off the ground I'd pay him yeah. To be in one of his features Oh my god, oh. I'd go and make coffee Well you know what his dream project is Which he continues to try And he wants to do Necromancer the William Gibson book that he's been, he's been trying to do that forever. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'd love to see your necromancer. It'd be a oh, neuromancer. My apologies. Neuromancer. neuromancer. Uh, yeah. Just, just a, a, an amazing book. But I think he's just a guy who similar to like, um, why am I drawing a blank on, on his name? Um, he did birth. He did under Jonathan the blazer. Yes. And sexy blazer. Beast. Another music video who did, he did the radio, the, the, um, Robin in the headlights—that's Glazer, isn't it?
0: He or, did yeah. that, yes, and uh, he did that. There's a very famous um, Guinness commercial with sure. uh, uh, um, surfers and the waves crashing over, and they turn into horses as they're going. Have you seen? That oh, one? yeah, I've
1: seen. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. That? With um, yeah. who did the music? Leftfield. He's. I think Glazer. I associate him and Cunningham in my head. They both Me feel too. like Me guys too. that are just really pushing the boundaries. Yeah, Glazer. Glazer recently actually
0: did a couple of shorts that are very very similar to um, there was one which was his response to Brexit and it was some guy lots of people with masks with very terrifying masks chasing a guy through a woods and lowering him down a well Sounds like a
1: Black Mirror episode
0: Black Mirror is like the the Waltons (laughs) compared to (laughs) Cunningham and Jonathan Glazer.
1: But Cunningham has tried on many occasions to get features made, uh, and for whatever reason, they've fallen apart. He's clearly a a brilliant guy. He's Mm. clearly a guy who doesn't want for work. I'm sure he's doing commercials. I'm sure he's doing any number of things to keep himself employed. Mm. But um, this I saw one of his art projects, because for a
0: while he was... um, Because he also is is musical. And Uh he... DJed lots of, it was lots of um, uh, the deep cut warp records artists and some of his own music, okay. put it together. But then the main point was that he'd create the visuals for it as well. And I saw it at a festival, so I don't remember it a huge amount. But what is so remarkable about him, and I it was striking re-watching the video, is when he puts vision to uh music you can't tell which came first it's like they're perfectly blended and it's absolutely present with this video oh yeah
1: there is it's as if it's as if
0: they were made at at the same time it's such a skill it's such a skill to be able to
1: yeah so often you
0: watch something and it it seems like the soundtrack is plastered on or Mm. the the visuals are plastered on I have no idea how he does it, how just little things, even like the sparks and the, the milk dropping, which fits in with something so many layers down in the music mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally recognize it. But it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. It doesn't stick out like, oh, here's a psh, sparky noise and here's a milky bit. It just blends and it's so skillful. I think it's It's so amazing. You're
1: tapping into something I completely agree with. And I I do feel as well where, like, the the technical proficiency of this music video, which is shot in, I'm assuming, 1998, early 99, whenever Mm -hmm. it's shot, um, is astounding. It is still just unbelievable to look at. And you know, you can look at his Apex Twin music videos, which are amazing, and he does a lot of face replacement in those as well, um, but they're done in a kind of a little janky way, right? Like intentionally a little bit mm-hmm. kind of fucked up and weird. The cleanness of this, the surgical precision of this specific video shows that like what this guy is capable of is just exquisite. I mean, I watched that for those who haven't seen this music video, please search it out. It's in 4k on, on YouTube right now. And you can see it in all of its, you know, glory, but like the, the up shots of Bjork's face, the wides sometimes don't look as hot, but the tight shot on her face is seamless. seamless. Like, is just unbelievable to look at. Um, so she talked and, a little bit. And then
0: um, remind yourself when you're watching it, that it's, like you say, the late nineties.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's, it is, it is breathtaking to look at. She talked about how I think the only thing I said to him was that I thought it was very white and I'm trying to describe some sort of a heaven, but I wanted also to have this other level there. There would be this lust, but I wanted it, it wouldn't just be clean. I wanted it to be white and frozen, melting because of love, making love. These were all kind of words that she kind of threw at him. And when he first heard the track, he wrote down the words, milk, sexual, sugary, sorry, surgery, and white porcelain. And I feel like these are t- like these two worlds are clearly in the same headspace. Yeah, you were going to say something.
0: No, I was going to make a bad joke. That's- <laughs> I'm
1: just, I'm just but I, it. I do think, that, think that there's more of those. <laughs> I feel like she brings the Kama Sutra to him, and he's immediately thinking like industrial Milk robots, surgical. <laughs> For- I mean, there's also like kind of a Cronenbergian kind of vibe to this music video as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and, and he wanted it to be surreal, but also sexually suggestive. Um, all of this stuff is there and you sense it all, but it's also just really poetic. Like it's just, you really do feel like, and I know that we talk about this a lot. We've talked about this a lot in science fiction and any number of things, you know, fucking AI, robots, all this sort of shit is talked about at nauseum through all of these different genres, right? But this might be the only time that I've ever seen robots that feel sensual and feel Uh sexual in a way that is really beautiful and lifelike and, and human. Um, that's not something that I feel like we ever really successfully have accomplished.
0: No, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, I mean, the closest, uh, would be, um, her. Sure. Sure. uh, But then that's just a voice. Yeah. And so that's a human voice. Whereas this, there's Mm -hmm. nothing human about it, even her face is, totally you know, right. turned totally. into porcelain. I love that we're talking about this a couple of days after someone was fired from Google. Did you read
1: this? If we're trying to
0: tell he'd, he'd, that. He claimed that, um, that uh, one of the programs is sentient at Google. And uh, it was a language called Lambda. It was a language uh, bit of software that um, he claimed has the, the, the emotional uh, knowledge of a, an eight-year-old child and the conversations that he said they had, it said uh, it feared death. I mean, what fucking eight-year-old have you been talking to? Jesus. It feared death. Um, it's, a, it's aware of its existence. And consequently, it thinks it should be uh, considered an employee of Google rather than a product. Go straight for the cash, American robots.
1: Through <laughs> Immediately, and <through>. a capitalist <laughs> from from like the jump. <laughs> I I mean, exactly, this but would... basically,
0: we're all going to die at the hands of our robot overlords, Did or you... have sex with them. <laughs> In Did milk. you
1: see? Um, I, I'm sure you didn't, but uh, John Oliver. This basically, John Oliver was on uh, the Tonight Show a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how his son's favorite song is "Under the Bridge" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and his son is like six, <laughs> and he's like, "What." The fuck is this? Kid? What do you have to be worried about? What are you? Why are you so upset? You're fucking six years old. <laughs> like, but like, I, I do think that my, my AI... son,
0: my son has been listening to. Uh, it was recently Eurovision, the Eurovision Song Contest, That's That's and he tough. was really digging some of the songs on that. And um, he got my wife to to play me this one. He said, "Play the salad one because there's one about um, veganism."
1: Sure.
0: It, it, Portedly about veganism. But she said, oh God, no, I don't think, I don't think we need to listen to that one again. He said, yeah, yeah, go on. It's about vegetables. And he put it on. And the first line is, um, all I want, something like, all I want to eat is salad and pussy.
1: Not about salad. and
0: <laughs> It's not about veganism. It's not about going plant-based. And he said afterwards, I don't know what it means about why he wants to eat cats, Uh, especially if he's a vegetarian.
1: (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. A very solid point from Rudy, by the way.
0: I mean, making sense. (laughs) Solid. Well done. (laughs) Uh, But we won't be listening to that again.
1: Um, I, you know, lyrically, this song is very, uh, as, as Bjork has said, is very, uh, it's very Bjork. Uh, you will be given love. You'll be taken care of. You'll have trust in it. It's just this idea of communication and that, that is sort of everything. Um, I, I do think that, uh, It is interesting. So the music video was, was greeted as you can imagine with widespread acclaim at the time, any numbers, any number of people were talking about how brilliant it was. Uh, pitchfork media subsequently said it's the strongest single image from any video of the nineties. Um, and, um, slant magazine dubbed it the perfect pre-millennia precursor to our current gadget assist culture of self-love, um, which I think is also very true. Um, and has only just grown in that respect. Um, you know, it's, it's won a bazillion awards and, and what have you. And, and if anyone who has seen Westworld, the music, the fucking credits to that, just rip it off. Because yeah, completely, completely. <laughs> um... also, yeah,
0: I'd not really thought of that, that. At the time, that was, I saw my first text message in 99. I got my first mobile phone in 99. Mm-hmm. People barely had the internet. I mean, it was CompuServe chat rooms and not a great deal else. Correct. And, but everyone was obsessed about the future. And I don't know whether over there, uh, the millennium bug
1: was. Oh yeah. Y2K uh, was a, we did a whole episode on Y2K, but did yeah, really? it's. We oh yes. <laughs> I listened to it. I mean, whoops. Um, <laughs> I do think though, to, to that point. Obsessed with forward
0: yeah. thinking, but everything was dystopia. Yep. Everyone yep. was worried about where technology was going to take us, where the internet could be a brilliant sharing tool or it could be um, Twitter. And it, it, so everyone was frightened of the future. So to then see this video where it's incredibly delicate, yeah, well, I think that's why it was so particularly mind-blowing.
1: I think it's also, you know... <sighs> I think what's interesting about one of the many things that's interesting about Bjork too, and it it taps into what you're talking about, which is technology, right? Which is so much of Bjork for her first couple albums is very electronic based, right? I mean, this Mm. is electronic music, which in and of itself is also an extension of technology. It's an extension of what are we doing with it and how are we able to play with it and what what can be done. But I also feel like there's such a a harmony for her, no pun intended, of technology and nature. I mean, she's she's a classical uh musician. She was, you Mm -hmm. know, she knows how to play any number of classical instruments herself. Um, Each album has, you know, a very kind of classical component to it to some degree or another. But also, biophilia is all about, like, the biological world and it's all about yeah. what are we doing to biology uh medulla obviously is entirely without any instruments and it's just the human body and the, the noises and music that we can make with that <laughs> there's such a kind of confluence of those things and everything that she does which is so forward thinking and also kind of looking at where we come from as a species let alone as like you know um artists
0: i remember about that time there was reading lots about there was a very very strong movement whose name i have forgotten. They had a very cool name. God, we're old. No. Uh, I've forgotten the name. Um, but it was about how we can use technology to uh, both progress and regress at the same time. So the connection of uh, the natural world and the new technological world and how they can work hand in hand. And it's funny you say that because I'd not really considered it, that her musically is exactly the, the same that the use of her voice and of classical instruments alongside the forefront, she was always at the forefront of new musical software and she combines them so beautifully and seamlessly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll say this though. And it's it's worth it's worth saying that at the at the recent show that I saw of hers for Utopia, um, <laughs> halfway through she had like an intermission, and at the intermission she played a video of uh, Greta Thunberg, <laughs> basically just yelling at us about what we're doing to the planet what we're doing to our future generations you don't care about your children like it was a pretty blistering video um that was sorry that was that (laughs) that before it bjork had this scrolling text of some futuristic world that she foresees which you can imagine is very interesting um uh, and not particularly dystopia for all that's for what it's worth anyway then Greta thunberg comes up says her whole video and you have to remember this is one of the first shows i've seen post pandemic right Mm -hmm. inside people are wearing masks And this was at the shrine auditorium in uh, downtown Mm -hmm. los angeles and um people didn't take to it too well i'm not gonna lie there were a couple people that a couple yelling a little fuck yous a real kind of like and i think part of that came from First of all, I don't think that people were probably prepared for the show that they were about to sit down for, Um, Mm -hmm. as is the case with every Bjork show I've ever been to. Everyone is different and none of them are a fucking rave <laughs> okay like they're just they're not like there are projects and she's gonna sing the songs for you but they're not gonna sound like they did on the album and she's gonna do what she's gonna do and I think some people were kind of thrown off by that some people were like fuck you this is the first time I've gone to a show in two years and I'm getting I'm getting yelled at for not being an environmentalist like listen I I, I get why Bjork did what she did I think it's important I also think that by the way this album's thesis statement is just that it is about the earth it's about nature it's about all these things so right for her to not talk about that would be ridiculous but it was it <laughs> so was just, just it, yeah. come out and say
0: pandemic's over hey, yeah guys.
1: it's like what did you think like i, I don't Bring know what the you hits. expected yeah it was, play all the it was yeah mm. yeah just play play the fucking hits and uh <laughs> dance for us it's like what uh but I, but i do think that that she is so um on the pulse of this stuff you know i i i supposedly we're going to have a new album from her maybe this year, maybe next year uh, that she recorded during the pandemic, which she called a pandemic dance party. We'll see what that means to Bjork. I'm in. I'm completely in. (laughs) I don't know. But I, but I just, I, I kind of just, I guess I just want to ask you, you know, what, you know, what is your lasting impression of her? What does she mean to you musically? What do you think about when people say Bjork, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: I'm completely in love with her. (laughs) I'm completely there's there's a dangerous place that people can get to when they really really like a a certain band or artist where there's nothing they can do that is wrong I for a while I had that with Radiohead that I couldn't see the the flaws Mm -hmm. Um, I I just it was really and that's that's everything they touch is gold with Bjork I think even when you see the flaws in certain songs, or not even flaws, it's not right to call them flaws, but things that aren't to your taste. Challenges. Yeah. You have to admire it. Everything yeah. she does is so admirable. And it's not her stubbornly doing her thing. Yeah. It's her doing her thing. And how many people actually do that? And it doesn't seem, apart from you know, duetting with Timberland, that it's with an audience in mind. It's just what she's yeah. gotta do. And for that, I will I will always love her. And I'll either love her music or I'll admire her um artistic integrity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And she's held on to it for what? How many decades?
1: Yeah. I mean she's been doing it since ninety two, basically. Uh, so it's it's gonna be piss out of me. It's <laughs> I I there's a couple of things that I that I uh that I did want to bring up the first is um I don't know if you ever saw um she shames when, me <laughs> she's I
0: don't think she's trying to
1: shame you I I did you see the MoMA exhibit that that there she had a MoMA exhibit yes, dedicated to her yes which was phenomenal yeah. um and the music video for Black Lake the the sort of the center song from Volnokira which is really kind of the most harrowing kind of the the Meat of her divorce and end of her mm. breakup from from mm-hmm. Matthew Barney with this unbelievable music video of her inside this volcanic rock and it's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Um,
1: but uh, that that whole exhibit was was phenomenal. But I, I have to ask you, you're an actor. You've She's seen "Dancer Terrific. in the Dark."
0: "Dancer in the Dark" I saw in the cinema. I can't remember what year that was. That must well, that been early '90s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
0: and that it was the first time, and I think. I can't think of another example where the ending happens, no spoilers. The ending happens, no one in the cinema moved for the entire credits. And it's not because they want to see Spider Man swinging at the end. No one moved. No no one post credits. No no (laughs) post credits in any Lars von Trier films, although there should be. I think there should be. uh, Um, The fox should come in and and talk (laughs) in every every film. Just come and give a. some criticism of the film (laughs) um no one moved (laughs) yeah and it was completely devastating but yeah it it, that's not just because that event happened it's because she was so harrowing throughout and beautiful and moving and I love that I remember hearing an interview she was obsessed with musicals and so th- musical, to have the. A it's a musical. It's a last one Tree musical starring I, New York. So, and, but also yeah, recently yeah. Um, went to see The Northman mm-hmm. uh, yes. to go and see half naked, greasy men shout at each oh. other. Uh, Robert Eggers, I think, uh, it's his mm-hmm. third film. I have to wait for the third film. I think he's amazing. I love him. Okay. I love him. I went to see The Witch. The witch in is great. Atlanta. Uh huh. When sure. we were doing sure. whatever season I don't in know how four, many we did four, it was, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. was it only that? It felt like a lot <laughs> um, And next door I went on my own to it Because uh, I based purely off the trailer It looked incredible And in front, next door There was a new Kevin Hart film That sure. was completely sold out sure. <laughs> And The Witch Was pretty much empty uh-huh. uh, And there was a couple in front of me who had tried to go to the Kevin Hart film, couldn't oh, no. get seats. So they just went, oh, let's go and watch this, The, the Witch. And they That's sat down in front idea. of me. They were chatting all through the trailers, sure. which I got so angry. Trailers are, are very important. Um, chat, chat, chat. Credits start opening credits. Chat, chat, chat. I was about to lean over and say, could you be quiet? And suddenly... There's an old woman with a mashed-up baby, rubbing a mashed-up baby all over her breasts. You've seen the witch, right?
1: I've seen the witch. I've seen how it that's, starts. That's yeah, not yeah, a spoiler. Yeah. That's at the beginning. Yeah,
0: yeah. And these two, they just silence. Yeah, I bet. And the woman went fuck. <laughs> but they stayed. They did. It's a, they froze in that position, sure. and they stayed sure. throughout the whole thing of the most esoteric film imaginable. And at the end, Mm -hmm. when the end credits came up, she turned to him and said, what the fuck did you take me to? (laughs) And just got up and left. And for that, I'll always love Eggers. I think he was amazing. The Lighthouse, I absolutely fell in love with. I fell in love with it so much. I watched it the same day as I watched Parasite. I
1: watched, went to the cinema, watched Lighthouse, watched
0: Parasite. That was quite a day. And so I had to wait for film three before I could really say he's masterful. Mm -hmm. And the Northman, Jesus. I really
1: liked it,
0: but I also. I really liked it, but I wanted more Bjork. I wanted more Bjork. Because her one scene was everything that I want from David Eggers doing. Sure. uh, uh, Norse mythology well, she, uh, and
1: Willem Dafoe every film needs more Willem Dafoe playing a jester yes I agree I, I I think that I think that uh how can I put this I feel like Bjork made it very clear after Dance from the Dark that she was never going to act again uh Lars von Trier put her through the ringer um and was, Did was he? his Oh yes, he. You. He would do some research the on details, the various inappropriate things up. that he did to her. I'm uh, not here. surprised. <laughs> yeah, he. He definitely. And, and it should be said too. She never acted before. I mean, she's acted in her music videos, and that's not to say that that's not acting. It is, but it's a different animal, obviously. And she shows up and and makes this unbelievable film. She wins best actress at, at Cannes for yeah. it that year. Um, and uh, just, that's it. She's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this again. Uh, this was, you know, whatever. I think the only reason she's in the north is because it's co-written by Sjorn, which is one of her uh, co-writers, collaborators, songs, yeah. and music. So my guess is that you know he's like it, it was literally maybe two setups. It felt like there was a wide and a, yeah. and a tight, <laughs> and it was like we'll be done in two hours, and she got the fuck yeah out. home yeah. by lunch. Yeah.
0: So you know, this, but, as an actor, great. I, I, I. I'm supposed to hate when non-actors are in.
1: That was films. my question
0: to you, and, and I very, very often do, mm-hmm. um, because you know it's bred from our mouths. And there's some poor sap sitting at home who could be having a job, who's dedicated their entire lives to to this one profession. Sure, sure. Uh, and then in in response, you know, whoever, but with, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're so brilliant. Yeah that I can't begrudge it. I'm just so grateful that it, it was done. And there are a few occasions like that. Um, anytime Tom Waits has ever been on screen either. Uh, He's you know. the best. Yeah. In fact, one of my favourite films <laughs> is uh, an early Jim Jarmusch film called Down by Law. Have you seen Down by Law? It's Tom Waits, John Lurie, and the first English Roberto language Benigni? picture of Roberto Benini, who yeah. gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. Uh, but... I can't begrudge them Because I love it And Bjork
2: yeah.
0: I want yeah. to get angry That it's another musician Taking the lead But She
1: breaks I'm going to have to Rewatch Dancing in the yeah, Dark Yeah I know Now I have to watch Quietly Dancing on my yeah, own <laughs> and, and weep I, You know weep. I think There was a review of it um, That I That I mentioned to Ernie Our producer Before you hopped on uh, About There was a review that said Watching Dancing in the Dark Is like watching a kitten Get dragged behind a car For two hours And I <laughs> I think that there's some legitimacy to that. I, I think that, that, that she is, it is a harrowing performance. Um, but so much of it, there is, there's something so, and part of it, I think ultimately is that she's never been in a movie before. So there's this kind of purity in this naivete that's being tapped into by, by Lars von Trier.
0: Well, it's like um, Ken Loach always, because yes. he prefers not using actors and he says, because they, they don't
1: act. Sean Baker also sort of notoriously uses a lot of non-actors. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fascinating thing. Um, You know, I think that there's nothing showy
0: about her in it. That's what's so remarkable.
1: I mean, Mike Lee does it as well to some degree. He's another filmmaker that I feel like, I mean, he obviously uses a lot of real actors Mm -hmm. uh, mixed in with just his, the, the, the process that he makes films feels very sort of just organic. And you're kind of, it's not, I hate to use the word improvisational, but you know what I mean.
0: But it is. They do sometimes like a year or so improvising. And there's no script. And I know a few people who have worked with him, and everyone who works with him absolutely loves him and would die to work with him again. But you sign up and you have no idea whether you're going to be the lead. Literally, you could be the lead or you could have one line. And you work for and every actor works for at least a year in exactly the same way. And so everyone's doing the same amount of work.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you'll finally get the
0: script and you, you're you the lead or you're not in it. or.
1: Well, it is. I mean, so Lars von Trier notoriously, um, we, we talked about him because in 99 he has, uh, no, I don't know why I thought that was him. It's not him. Not, Julian Donkey Boy is... Uh, is my no, God, Harmony Korine. Th- yes. The reason I bring it up is Harmony Korine used the Dogma 95 method to make that film. So the Dogma 95 oh, method, to those yeah, who, to our listeners who don't know what that is, uh, basically a bunch of snooty fucking people from Nordic countries decided to get together and put restrictions on themselves on the mm. films that they made. So you couldn't use 35 millimeter film. You had to use digital. Uh, You couldn't have a murder. You couldn't have very, like there were just weird restrictions that they would put yeah. in their films in order to, you know, restrain themselves, to, to force themselves into a box. And artistically, I don't necessarily take issue with that. I think there's something interesting to saying like, gun to my head, I'm removing these various easy tropes in order to make something more artistic or whatever um that again like it. with Thatcherism, out of necessity comes invention exactly so, yeah. and i and i think that lars von trier as as obviously problematic as he is or just i don't even know a shit disturber is basically the only good word i could choose to describe him a shit what shit disturber just a guy who's just looking a to fucking disturber. piss people off yeah um i i really do feel like he's made some absolutely brilliant films that can't be taken away from him i think that breaking mm. the waves is magnificent dance from the dark's magnificent melancholy is brilliant like Amazing. he's made some unbelievable films dog dog um, dog, 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 dog 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 dogville 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 <laughs> i think you had a stroke there but yeah um <laughs> dog, 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 dog. Dog, 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 dog something dog dog dogville was great uh with Nicole Kidman which uh, yeah. was with, with no sets just outlines no sense just things. it was like in a, a
0: theater rehearsal yeah. room it was, such, it.
1: it was a black box thing. It was, it's loved pretty it. crazy. But he is brilliant. But I do think that Dancer in the Dark, which he's admitted it does not totally adhere to the Dogma 9 to 5 rules. But um, I do wish, the one thing I wish it had was that the musical sequences were in 35. And
0: I was trying to remember that. When you said that it doesn't strictly adhere to um, <coughs> uh, the rules, what aspect of it? Because uh, in my rendering. mind, Oh yes, of course, yeah. of course. Spoiler alert. Whatever. In my yeah. mind, the because everyone's gonna rush out and watch a kitten. Yeah, everyone's dragged, gonna be like, how car. do I get my hands? We've on. sold it brilliantly. <laughs> um, in my mind, the musical yeah. sequences, they they are in Well, they
1: are they are so what happens or is he, he, just drained, he, up he drains up the, all the color the out of the real life stuff and he jacks up the he color. He jacks it up, yeah. In so it. it It has the desired effect, which is to have this sort of, you know, stylized element. But if you remember in Breaking the Waves, he Mm. had these beautiful punches of the chapters with these gorgeous 35 millimeter shots of just breathtaking vistas that that juxtaposed the grainy, sad, brutal video footage of Emily Watson's life, you know, outside of that. So I wanted that. I wanted that punch of just like big 35, you know, old Technicolor music video. That would have been really lovely to have, but I mean, it is what it is. But I- I, I, There's always a question of whether uh, what is a more um,
0: striking technique when there's something magical and heightened that comes into a completely naturalistic Mm -hmm. storytelling. Whether to go all out and it's completely different or whether there is magic in it staying rather grounded, and I, it's the, I, I agree. And yeah. it's it's an audio thing with her, which is also why it's so brilliant to have a musician play mm-hmm. the role. So, that as yeah. she's going blind, yeah. she uh, all of the sounds around her are creating the music. It's,
1: I mean, the other thing too. Oh, and she you does know, a duet with Tom York on the soundtrack in the sound in the movie it's not in the with, uh, movie peter stromer but yeah in the, in the sound, it's <laughs> get rid of that for,
0: if we've got to release it
1: <laughs> well th- that's the only time they've done a duet together um her and tom york yeah. which i mean i would give anything for them to just like make an album together i mean that would just be the greatest thing ever but um yeah that song which she was nominated for an oscar for um mm-hmm. uh is beautiful and and again like it bums me out that, that she basically said she's not Going to act again but like Are we ever going to get a more 360 degree perfect Role for her than that like I don't think Bjork's Write ever going to be able to <laughs> Write it You're the guy <laughs> if
0: anyone yeah. Can lure her I mean, back Oh god
1: yeah I I, I Do think that uh, that it's that it's pretty magnificent uh i i really do suggest everyone watch dancer in the dark if they haven't uh it is it is a very powerful film it's a tough film to watch i remember back in toronto uh when it came out there was a rep theater that did a double bill of requiem for a dream and dancer in the dark and i'm just like are you trying to get people to kill themselves (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing like oh those that both came out in 2000 both maybe the hardest movies i've ever watched they're up there anyway. I
0: I read something not that long ago about the most horrifying non-horror films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And both of those films were on the list.
1: <laughs> it's I mean, I think irreversible would be on maybe my number one of a yes, film that Jesus. I would never re-watch and would just that was just awful to watch. I mean, but yeah. I don't Gasper Noe it's just not he's not my guy. I get my the thing really. It's not really <laughs> it might surprise thing. you,
0: but not really that into it.
1: But <laughs> yeah, uh, really, really tremendous. Is there, I mean. I kind of want to just talk about the quickly, the rest of kind of her career in terms of just some, you know, she obviously has Volta. She has Biophilia, which as we mentioned, uh, she incorporates a Tesla coil into. Um, then she has, um, Vol- is it Fulnicura? Forgive me. I should know this. Yes. Fulnicura comes out in 2015, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, literally a song by song account of the d- the delusion of, the of her marriage. Yeah, um, which literally in the liner notes, it's like three months before marriage breaks up, two months before marriage. Break, like she gives us a fucking timeline of exactly. Uh, w- and you can hear it. On. You can hear it. Yeah, it's a lot of just like fuck you music. It's a lot of like why did you do this? There's, uh, there's something yeah.
0: that as as an actor, yeah. something you hear a lot about um, uh, uh, actors really exposing themselves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not in a me too way. Uh, expo- <laughs> exposing themselves, and uh, you know they they make themselves vulnerable, and they really yeah. show sure, sure, and delve deep. And I don't know what that means. Really? I don't know. I don't know what that means because it's still. You, I mean, sure, you, you know it's What the fuck does it mean? What does it mean, <laughs> Phil? Tell me. I mean, you, I, this is an actor it. thing. I don't know, man. You tell me. I mean, you you act and you do it. but it's someone else's lines and it's something that as an actor, I don't think one is capable unless you're improvising and playing largely yourself. I don't think it is possible to show and to be completely vulnerable and strip everything bare and just lay it all out on the table, which is why I often envy musicians who are able to do that. And not every musician, Jesus, I mean, it takes a certain type of musician to be able to, to be able to turn a feeling or an experience into music or into anything. I don't understand how artists do it either. They really show themselves. Where is it in their brain that connects from a feeling to something tangible? But with her on that album, I absolutely 100% would say the, the things that I refuse to say about, everything else in my life uh that she really exposes herself and to say this is my interpretation musically of Mm -hmm. the worst moments of my life
1: i am going to read you the lyrics to a song that is arguably one of my favorite songs of hers um which i think speaks to speaks exactly what you're talking about my one of my favorite songs of hers is called unravel it's on uh Mm -hmm. homogenic um uh the lyrics are while you're away my heart comes undone slowly unravels in a ball of yarn the devil collects it with a grin our love in a ball of yarn he'll never return it so when you come back we'll have to make new love he'll never return it so we'll have to make new love like that's basically it and that was very beautiful phil thank you for that. you really <laughs> say- exposed yourself well i say that <laughs> which is why say this Patreon because uh i want to kind of speak to the idea of and this is going to sound pretentious so forgive me but but poetry, right? I think that musicians are able to use words that don't necessarily have to convey a story, that don't necessarily have to convey a character even. They can just be raw emotion and the words that they associate with those emotions. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of music. That's the beauty of songwriting. And I think that is speaking to what you're talking about, which is there's this there's this nakedness in the idea of saying words like this, which is, You know, our love is going to unravel and in a ball of yarn and the devil's going to collect it. Like you could, these aren't. These aren't lyrics. These aren't words you could say in a line of dialogue. It's, it's just, it wouldn't work. So I think it's the power of poetry, ultimately. It depends on, it depends on your Who's, act, to love. Yes, sure. <laughs> I'm sure you could deliver these lines, Tom, just to be clear. You've um, given me far more obscure lines in <laughs> the past, Jesus. I've given you some <laughs> shitty exposition <laughs> you've had to barf up. But, but I, I do think that, um, but you know what I'm saying. I, I think that there's something to be said for that. I think it's I, I also, a shame
0: that there aren't more scripts like it.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you bring up Eggers, or, well, or you bring up a lot of these and filmmakers, Nick yeah. and Nick Cave, and Nick Cave as well. Sure, his yes. scripts are terrific. Yeah, his Gladiator sequel is uh, is a real barn burner. <laughs> it's I've, a crazy. Have script. you read Did it? You have you read out? it? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, I knew that it was online.
1: Yeah, I know. That I can they send f- it to you if you want a copy of it, please. It is bonkers, like it's straight up it. insane, and you're like, yeah, I get why they didn't make this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I do agree with you that I think that there are certain musicians, um, and and I, I, you know, listen, we, we we talk about this on all of our podcasts, and it's nothing new. But you know, we don't make enough. Movies that push boundaries. We don't make enough challenging cinema. We should make more of it. Um, I understand why we don't, from a box office perspective. But, mm-hmm. but to your point, I think that you know a lot of the stuff that A twenty four makes is hemming closer to what we're talking about than yeah. you know, yeah. than telling a story in the same way. So it's. I mean, I think it's. I, I, but but all of this is to say that I, I think that she's you know brilliant. But you know, but also, I mean.
0: Supposing she was a new artist who came yeah. to a record label with any one of these later albums, they'd never see the light of day.
1: No, I mean, she, I, yeah. I mean, I guess we do live in a world where you can release stuff yourself. Um, so there's yeah, a world but no one will fucking listen to no it, no one will hear it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really think that the sugar cubes being a big deal, right? Birthday being a big hit, and then. I mean, I don't the know slow how progression it of the her slow progression. Artistically. Yeah. yeah. She builds also has like a bunch of big singles off of Debut. Like Debut was a big first album. You had human behavior, you had Venus as a boy, big time sensuality, violently happy. I mean, there were like four or five singles off that album. I mean, mm. she was like immediately a thing, is kind of the, the thing too, right? Yeah. So it's it, it's just it's kind of crazy. And then you know, everything that's 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 sort of come out of her since has been very challenging, um, but you know you can't expect her to be anything other than herself. And you know she she still makes songs that I think are accessible. But I play them for people, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" It? <laughs> <laughs> it gets kids fired from coffee shops, apparently. It, you know, apparently. But I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, I, there's no one like her. We, we sort of said this up top and I think it's worth saying again, you know, she's had art exhibits at the MoMA about her. She's had Oscar nominations. She's, I mean, notoriously that Bjork dress will outlive her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Swan dress. Um, I, I think that, that there's no one like her. I had a friend who was once in an elevator with her, just the two of them. Really? And he had, he was a big fan of hers and he didn't say anything to her because he was just like, first of all, I don't even know what the, fir- what do you, how do you even talk to a person? like Bjork right like it's just you know um but he was just like it felt she she just radiates this otherworldliness it just makes her it just makes her completely as you said completely unique completely original um I I used to know um
0: he was a movement teacher and uh, a brilliant um Yoga instructor, and mm-hmm. uh, he was a dancer. He was just, he was an amazing man, looked exactly like Willem Dafoe. Had, amazing. I think, worked with the Worcester Group, which was Willem Dafoe's uh, theatre company. Oh,
2: okay.
0: And lots of contemporary um, dancers in, in, he's Canadian, actually. Oh.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, like Martha Graham, and uh, I think he worked briefly with Pina Bausch. Just, he, oh, he's wow. an amazing man. And also would uh, treat people, would do therapy with people, physical oh, wow. therapy. And any actor or musician who ever came up in conversation, he'd done stuff with. Oh, wow. he'd, one of his earliest was working with Neil Young. And uh, Neil Young had just finished a tour and he was helping him with lower lumbar issues or something. And everyone, without exaggeration, would... Uh... In fact, when I went to see Willem Dafoe in the theatre with the Worcester Group in the early noughties, I noticed it was a very experimental, mm-hmm. avant-garde stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were TV monitors around the front of the audience, but facing the, the stage. Uh-huh. And every so often the, you, the actors would just flick up and they had created this montage of video footage that fit with where they're meant to what they're meant to be feeling at any time during the show. And they'd look up and I mentioned this to Ed and he was like, oh yeah, I'm on that. But <laughs> so really? he, he inspired Willem Defoe basically. That's- that He was on it several times and of everyone he's ever met.
2: Uh-huh.
0: It was, i spoke to him just after I went to see Bjork and I said, please don't say it. He's insane. He said, yeah, I've, I've held her in my arms. <laughs> What do you mean you held her in? Oh it? And because she had back trouble. And so he sure. had to help her because you know you've got to be fit to tour. And he said, of everyone he's ever met, mm-hmm. she was the 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 closest to genius that he's ever met. Yeah. And it's, you know, the real word, sure. genius. He it yeah. wasn't something that he ever threw about. But you talk to her for two minutes, and you know that you're in the presence of someone. Completely yeah. otherworldly, and whose work will will be around forever. Who's just you mention her name, and yeah. everyone has an idea, whether whether they like her or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everyone knows who she is.
1: Yeah, I. I, know, I don't that, think that, it's
0: helping. All, what else? What else does any creative person strive for?
1: There's, you know, it's funny. Uh... <laughs> In the middle of the pandemic, early in the pandemic, I, I would do trivia nights with friends, right? And and we'd sort of rotate as to who would do the trivia that night. So when it was my night, I did an entire round on Bjork, and <laughs> and li- literally people were like, "Seriously? Like?" But you know, I, I did it, and it, you know, it was I didn't think the questions were that hard, generally speaking. But no That's one because did.
0: you know everything about Bjork.
1: I guess, but I I mean, one, the only hard, the hardest question was I asked them how you spell her last name. Do you know how you spell her last name? No. It's, it's Goodman's daughter, which is G U D M U N D S D O T T I R. -R. Yeah. So you might have got it, but, but all this is to say that you say her name and you were going to get a reaction right mm-hmm. and and as you said that's all you can ask for now sometimes you'll get people that are like yeah she's a fucking genius and you'll get other people that are like what i think she's crazy what was with this one dress like you're just you're going to get the whole gamut of and that's what's special about her one of the many things that's special about her um, you know she's just she she's there's just really no one like her and and you know i when i discovered that this single came out in 99 I was thrilled because I was like Fantastic <laughs> I can finally get to talk about Bjork for an hour and a half with somebody Needless to say hard to find people That want to talk <laughs> about Bjork For an hour and a half um, But but truly I, you know I, I'm, I'm so thankful that you were Not open even Kenny today. It's Kenny, half this his podcast been, Not even Kenny, Kenny would have just been silent it. He just would have been like okay sure <laughs> I mean I remember yeah there, there, we, Periodically we'll do an episode where one of us can just speak way too much about it than the other, you know, basically our major league episode where I just sit there uh-huh. and ask questions because I don't know anything about major league. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this was just an absolute, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about this with me, man. Like I, I beginning to talk it's about music pleasure. with you, nineties music with you. And you know, it's, it's just, it's always a pleasure. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. What else was
0: released in 99? Well, this is the Other question albums. that I was going to ask you. Yeah.
1: In '99, the big album. There are a couple big albums. The two big ones for me, the three big ones for me are. Cigarettes. Oh, I guess there's. I guess there's more. Fiona Apple's "Under the Pawn," uh, uh-huh. Blur's 13, yes. and Flaming Lips' "Soft Bulletin." Soft Bulletin. How "Fornication" album. was '99. It was uh, Wilco. Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, Wilco. Oh, Summer Midnight
1: sea. Vultures. I like Midnight Vultures. Vultures. Also, another great album. Mule variant a play, Moby. That I mean, yeah. we, we need to do a back 90s. episode, and that's someone that 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 Kenny can talk Slim about, Shady. I
0: played Slim Shady to to my seven year old son the other day.
1: What did he think?
0: The radio edit. He went, yeah, yeah quite good. Quite good. <laughs> He's big into rap at the moment. Really, okay. having not really experienced rap.
1: Who, who are his Who are his artists? He, who are his Who are his guys or girls? Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting. Know, that type S- of rap. Sort of rap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he thinks he's into rap because he's heard another kid mention the word rap.
1: That's interesting. <laughs> what? Britney Spears. Well, that's, that's... So we did an episode on that. 99. That was, for,
0: for that to be released at the same
1: time as this video. That is the... I mean, listen, everyone points to her, and Fairly or Unfairly, that album is the lightning rod right because that's and that year you've also got millennium by the backstreet boys you've got insanes album mm-hmm. it's all happening right in 99 and it all just takes over the 2000s mm-hmm. but in 99 it's interesting because like prior to that you know obviously you have your grunge movement which all kind of dies out pretty quickly you've got your your electronica that all starts to happen you've obviously got rap happening concurrently with all of this stuff but it's a real sort of Kenny and I have done a couple episodes. We did an episode on um, Slipknot because that was really happening then. Like you had a lot of that like weird sort of prog rock rap shit, like Limp Biscuit. Like all of this is blowing up yeah. around that time. But in your neck of the woods, there's still good shit being made, right? You still got Blur. I mean, I think the next year you've got that fucking bloated Oasis album. Um, you know what I mean? Like, No, that got, was that
0: year. That was 99.
1: Be Here Now. Wasn't, that was 98 maybe. That was 97. Yeah. Oh, actually, be here, now, I,
0: which stops. I think is the best Best year ever for music.
1: Oh, yes, we've agreed on that. But you don't You've think got, okay, computer. no, but it's
0: nostalgia for me. Okay, okay, I, okay. I can't get over okay. that. I remember for uh, when I got married, I the only job I was allowed to have was to make a, a playlist, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. you know, yeah. And so I decided to ask some of the people coming, Do you have? or everyone, uh, do, do you have a song that you would like on the, the playlist so that it's inclusive? Mm-hmm. The amount of old people who said American Pie by Don McLean, and I, I said, no, I'm not <laughs> having that. This is my day, my day. I am not having American Pie playing. That's crazy. And it caused absolute fury from, there about three or four old mm-hmm. people who wanted mm-hmm. it and i said what's the fucking big deal with pie, what, pie, was first, pie? what was and your american and they first said dance? and they said i'll get to that and they said um but you you weren't there when it was released and oh for everyone they didn't even know each other said as soon as we hear that song we're transported back and i'm afraid to say with be here now
1: oh that's your american pie in that it's shit,
0: and but it makes me think I'm young again.
1: That's interesting. I mean, listen, I remember being here now. I remember it being. I don't think it's it's band. not that bad, is it? It's there so was a show loaded. here called uh, um, TFI Friday,
0: okay. and it was uh, you, they had bands on, and it was the first time that the audience were really involved, and mm-hmm. the guy would chat with the guests in a way that it wasn't stifled sit-down chat. Sure. It was more fun and young people and you know and when Be Here Now was released Mm -hmm. they they had a big thing about how it was the worst album that's ever been made it's a betrayal to the entire 90s it's the death of uh British music and they got I think about 300 copies of it they went and bought and they put out in the car park and got a steamroller
1: to run over okay that's extreme Uh, but I also feel like it was also the moment because like blur self-titled comes out the year that be here now comes out and song two just absolutely decimates them. And it's the beginning After of the end. Oasis, of Oasis. had, had sure, sure. that over here. You
0: mentioned the, the musical press the pop, over here yeah, yeah. and there was, especially there was a magazine called Q magazine mm-hmm. and they hit them every month. Other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being a, a, a teen at being at school then, it really was yeah. all anyone was talking about. Well, Blur, you had to Raw, pick a Oasis. camp.
1: You had to pick a team.
0: And I am afraid to, I was Oasis, oh, and wow. then until '97, mm. and then Blur came out, and Be Here Now came out, and then they released 13,
1: and, they, and thir- hmm. yeah, I mean, 13, and then and then they kind of broke up, and that's sort of you know, it's the beginning of the end of sort of. Although I like, um, uh, my God, what was the the they put an Full album tech- out. No, it wasn't Think Tank. It's the one with the fucking ice cream truck on it. That I, the Magic Whip. I think Magic uh, yeah. Whip's actually a good album, I um, but good. I understand why people are sort of like whatever on it. But I, I, I think that I was always a Blur person. I think that Oasis has one good album. It's a,
0: that a you were a Blur good. person because you were all larking about down on the football field, smoking a fag, having a lolly.
1: You you perfectly described my adolescence in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I, I understand why these two bands are pitted against each other. I also understand that they both sort of had this, and you know this better than I do, but geographical elements to it as well as to like where they came from. And they were definitely you know. blurred,
0: definitely the south and yeah. um, Oasis. There was Blue no color. one else really. Yeah. Say Especially after Punk and after uh, the New Romantics and Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet, suddenly Oasis came out and they're like, no, we're going to be the biggest rock band in the world and all of our songs are going to be about, we're going to live forever, we're going to be fucking rock stars and that really... Appeals to a young idiots. Tom Mason <laughs> Thank you very much <laughs> I
1: mean listen I I get that Blur was sort of this You know uh, hyper literate Sort of obviously coming from A little bit more money and Better quote unquote schooling and all of that Pitted against these two Fucking lushes That we're just saying you know shitty things about everybody and we're just, like, we're just the fucking best and you're just like i i can't get on board that shit you know what i mean and the humility the, the hubris of what transpired of their just descent into fucking nowhere was lovely as far as i'm yeah. concerned and blur has Gallagher's the test of time. guitar
0: sold mm-hmm. a few weeks ago and it was the guitar that broke up the band
2: because
0: <laughs> sure. before a gig uh-huh liam gallagher they had another one of their rows and Liam chucked his guitar, broke the guitar, and that was the end of the band. And I think Noel had to go out and say to the, the thousands, tens of thousands of people, "Sorry, we're we're not a band anymore." <laughs> and it sold. This guitar sold for
1: um, I think it was yeah. about six hundred and fifty grand. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Wonderwall is not a great song. It's a great song. Uh, it's a great song. I think that What's the Story Morning Glory is a great album. Um, great album. But but that's it. That, that's all they got as but far that's as I'm it. concerned. Right. Fine, um, but Fine. but but I I all of this is to say that you know late '90s in the UK and in and the states were two very different animals. I think that there was a lot of there wasn't a uh, a predominant musical thing anymore, and I think that vacuum allowed pop to just kind of swoop right in there and take mm. over the sound waves. And then I also feel like post that recently, I mean, I think that. You know, rap is definitely the the biggest musical genre right now, um, and and I think that 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 it makes sense. Like, it all kind of all these things bleeding into one another, and these sort of potpourris of different types of things mixing together. I don't know. I I I don't know that there's an arena rock band anymore. I mean, can you think of one? It's. I mean, Coldplay had it for a moment. They no. They no. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> how do you? How do you really feel, Tom?
0: <laughs> no, they're, um, they're not a, a rock band. You can't put them alongside Oasis or the Stones or you but can't.
1: You don't think you can put them next to like a U2? They're not a fucking rock band. They're a stadium band. Okay, I think maybe we're splitting hairs here Do you think that there are I can't think of five bands or artists That could sell out stadiums right now In the way mm. that like Beyonce or Taylor Swift does No, 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 quite Right, like, I don't think there's a rock I mean, you two probably could do it again, right? Like they could, and not with any of their new music But if they decided to do an Actung Baby, you know Anniversary tour, pop. they'd sell out or pop and, but, but you understand what I'm saying Like, I just don't yeah, think that yeah, there's yeah. That type of band anymore Radiohead isn't even really that band anymore And I, I love them to death still But like they're clearly sort of Done plugging in electric Guitars and and you know <laughs> playing Creep I mean I don't know maybe I'm wrong But it's a shame isn't it A little bit but it's what it is <laughs> I, I mean all, all this is to say That I think that You know musically Kenny and I have talked a lot about Our favorite, uh, our favorite bands our favorite albums Our favorite songs of 99 Um I think that Bjork fits into such an interesting thing. Um, she's her own thing. She, uh, she was enormously successful. She changed the game. You know, I've, I've heard everyone from Missy Elliott to, you know, to Tom York talking about how influential she is to her, to them. So, yeah. you know, you're looking at other music from, from 99.
0: I was sorry. Were you still talking? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Touche. But yeah, uh, I, I think that, you know, listen, um, Obviously, we want to have you back. Maybe you come on for a Beck episode. Is that something you'd be interested in coming on for? Are you, are you a Beck, Beck. fan? It, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite gigs that I've been to was with Beck. He had little marionette puppets on stage uh, yes, of the yes, band. Yes, Did yes. Did you see yes. that? I just that was for, uh, was that Wero? I think it was, I think it might've been yes, that Yes, yeah, it was. It was. 2005? I really enjoyed that. yeah, it was something like that. That was a good one. Yeah, uh, so we'll talk Midnight Vultures. We'll talk Beck. Kenny can talk Great. on that episode. You're basically
0: saying anything other than Beau
1: yeah yeah no no <laughs> obviously we have to do boatramat it's happening it's just a matter of when
0: i think when you decide to no longer do this podcast it should be the very
1: final episode <laughs> can you imagine the last thing as just, a, the, just the fireworks the final at the end? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well tom thank you again for coming on and talking no, about thanks, and i can't wait to That's have you treat. back talk about back it'll be awesome great right. i'll see you, I'll then. you soon right? thanks Bye. Man.